Thank you all for checking out this week's episode. Once again, I'm John. If you liked what you heard and saw today, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And check out our brand new merch store with hats, coffee mugs, t-shirts, other cool stuff coming down the pipeline. Again, thank you all for support. Be safe and see you next week. How's it going, everyone? John here, the host of Spear Talk. And today we get to welcome one of the guests I've always wanted to have on the show, uh, Lori Fetrick. Uh, Lori, uh, you may uh, recognize her as the legendary Ice from the American Gladiators, uh, but she's also so much more. She's an author, actress, uh, bodybuilder, uh, successful businesswoman. Um, she kind of has a Swiss Army knife uh, background, and uh, it's great to finally have Lori on the show today. How are you doing? I'm doing good. And uh, one of the th- when I started this podcast, I had this list of like 15, 20 people. And I noticed there's about four of them were actually former American gladiators. And I've actually had Darren McBee on the show, uh, Malibu, who was an amazing guest. I've had Hollywood Yates, uh, Wolf, who's kind of the later alliteration of uh, American gladiators. And uh, here we are today with Lori. So again, thank you for uh, jumping on here. Right on. Who else did you have besides Malibu and uh, Wolf? I've had those two on. You were okay. my third favorite, and uh, growing up, um, I've always, I always loved Gemini. Um, oh, right and so, uh, it, it's well six too. Maybe we could start here. It's like, as a kid, when you watched, when I watched American Gladiators, I was so enthralled back then. Especially it was like I had just watched Pumping Iron, so I, I, I loved the competition of like the bodybuilders. I was watching professional wrestling and watching Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant. Uh, and then when American Gladiators came on, it was like the perfect combination of both because you had these super fit men and women uh, who clearly have a bodybuilding background, but super athletic as well. And I was just enthralled. The, the, when you watch the show each week, I was just like, it was the best pure entertainment. And I love when none of the local competitors, I love when they lost. And I just love that when you guys would do your specific things, that's like for you to kind of be part of that legacy. And I know ESPN's filmed some stuff recently with a bunch of you guys and girls uh for the documentary but it's like when did you realize that the american gladiator so, john real quick yep i'm gonna kind of go back on on what you just said just a minute just to kind of i just want to clarify something really fast okay yep um espn there's two documentaries okay oh, wow. um interesting enough espn came up and we didn't know it was espn first there was a, a couple of producers, um, the creator of the show called us and said, hey, by the way, they're doing a documentary about me and we'd love to have you on the show. And we went, oh, that's interesting about you, the creator. Nobody knows who you are, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Right. And we all knew the documentary was gonna revolve around the American Gladiators, but he flipped it and said it was only about him because he didn't wanna pay any of us for the documentary. Wow. So basically we kind of, there was a group of us that got together and um, we just went, no, this is, this isn't not right. You know, so we'll tell you what, we'll, we'll film your sizzle reel and you can try to go out and sell it. And then once you sell it, <laughs> then you can come back to us and then we'll negotiate the price. Right. You know, kind of thing. And so we didn't hear from them for three, four months. And in that time frame, Netflix came along. And Netflix wanted to do a documentary and we kind of thought about it. We went, wait a minute. Okay. Netflix is worldwide. Um, And then that's when, yes, that's when they came back and said, Hey, ESPN 30 for 30 signed you guys up. And we were like, okay, well, wait a minute. So um, we went, do we want us bound or do we want worldwide? So unfortunately the team got split 
and certain amount of gladiators went to ESPN and then the what I call A-list gladiators went to Netflix. And so we actually have a six part series awesome. coming out on Netflix. It should, I'm thinking about the beginning of next year. It'll actually happen. So, Interesting. Unfortunately, the team got split. You know, it's, I never guess, I just never realized the politics. I mean, there's politics to everything. So with that industry, it's like, but before that, before that happened, I was always, I always loved that whether it was uh, Nitro when he put his book out and went through his health scare, like all you guys and girls kind of stood, to, like stood back to back with each other. Right. And it, it's, it's fascinating that, like, did you, what did you realize that you were part of like a bigger thing here where it's like not only the global brand, but a small group of men and women that had literally impacted lives across the globe? Um, I realized that when we went out on tour and when we were playing in front of like, you know, Madison Square Gardens, Nassau Coliseum, um, we actually sold it out. And so that's when, what year was that? I want to say that was probably my fourth year. Maybe I can't remember the dates on that one, but um, that's when I realized, wow, this is huge, you know. So it's for for in terms of like the, when it comes to the show, the production of the show. When you take that on the road, like before we get to that, even actually the road of the show, the actual transportation, like how did you guys travel and what was that like? The promo <laughs> for those that type of tour, because I can only imagine the stories you guys you guys have for that. Oh yeah. Um, it was, it was insane. So the way they did it is, um, how many, we hit 106 cities within wow. like, I think it was like six months. As a matter of fact. So they had the big, huge semi trucks, you know, full of all the games and everything. And they would go in the night before and they'd set up on the venue. Um, we were in the tour bus behind the semi trucks. So we would start our show around eight o'clock, I believe it was, and we'd be done by 10. We'd load up on the bus and that was all the gladiators on one tour bus, which was a cluster as you can only imagine. Um, so we would travel on the tour bus to the next city. So either we'd travel overnight or we'd travel three, four hours. We wouldn't get into the hotel. It's like two, three in the morning, sleep, get up, go to the gym. So the semi trucks were always ahead of us you know, tearing it down or putting it up. So we were on the road just like a, a, a normal, you know, kind of, um, I want to say music venue, you right. know, or just a concert. So that's how we traveled. It's, uh, when it comes to like, so, so as a kid again, when, when I was watching this stuff and all this, I was never into like the whole, oh, she's my favorite gladiator or he's my favorite. It was like, you guys were gladiators. And so when it comes to someone like yourself or Zap, um, the legacy you have for females, uh, the, at the time, there really wasn't outside of maybe professional wrestling where people could, kids could watch, little girls could watch a female star like yourself and be drawn into, man, maybe I could do this. Maybe I could be a, a pro, pro bodybuilder, a legendary gladiator. So what does that impact for you in terms of uh, your legacy? Oh my God, it was, it's absolutely amazing. I mean, I had no idea by going on the show that I would actually be able to change lives, you know? and impact like you said young females um to be to be strong and feminine and you you could literally do whatever you wanted to do you didn't have to be the big bodybuilding for women wasn't even really around it kind of just started around that time you know so i had no idea that i was gonna have such an impact on 
just people in general, whether it be young girls, middle-aged, older women, to like you just kind of feel comfortable in your own skin to go, wow, I can be strong. I can bodybuild if I want and still be amazing female. So it impacted my life to where I, I'm just happy that I could leave something like that behind, you know, and, and impact some people. And that type of impact you created, I assume um, that led to your kind of progression into becoming a coach, becoming an author and building this brand you created with fitness and nutrition, where you now your legacy now is to further build that where people can have the confidence to only do that, but do it the right way. 100%. I mean, it is, it's a challenge nowadays, obviously, because, you know, I'm in my fifties now and it's, there are so many personal trainers out there now, you know, and, and the progression of exercise has, you know, just, just blew up. Let's put it that way. We didn't have hit training back then, which is the high intensity interval right. training that is amazing for burning body fat and stuff like that. So it's the progression of such a thing has just turned over. It's been crazy. So yeah, it's. As a, as a coach, is it difficult for you when there's new trends that come out every couple of months, whether it's eat this or drink water before bed or don't drink coffee or no meats or potatoes or whatever it is, how right. hard is yeah. it for you to kind of dictate uh, your type of programs that you know works not only for you, but the, the clients you have? Um, it's really interesting. Cause even back then when I was doing personal training, it, you know, the fitness industry, the diet industry, it's changing every single year. And it's been changing even since back then, you know, so it's been a battle. Uh, sometimes it's been a battle, but sometimes it's been a blessing because there have been new things that have come along that have been tested and proven like, hey, wow, this really does work, you know, kind of thing. Um, but the fitness and diet industry, it's ever so changing because of the fact that it's what a $7 billion industry right. a year. And so the more times you try to recreate, it's not even recreating the wheel. <laughs> it's just changing what it looks like. You know, the basics are the same. The basics are the same across the board. So the challenge for me, when I do talk to my clients um, right now, I'm not doing too much personal training. But when I was doing a lot of the personal training, I kept kind of reiterating to my clients, hey, look, the basics are all the same. You know, you've got to train hard. You can't just sit on your butt and just diet right. and think you're going to build muscle. That's not the way this works. And so it was constantly educating your clients of the basics. And then you could kind of layer things on top of it, depending on you and what your needs were. Right. What are those? It's when you when you walk through a mall, you see like the local GNC or vibrant shop. It, they the advertising for that they can seem super sexy and all. Oh, try this new uh, chocolate Oreo cookie that gives you five hundred grams of protein. It's like for me, I've always been I've always loved sports, but I never got into the I would say the bodybuilding. I did it just to do the stuff for testing for sports and stuff and all that but i never got into like the the whey proteins and stuff i know a lot of people would have it obviously it works when done right but for someone like myself growing up going through high school and after college i was like oh maybe i'll i just saw this new ad in a men's health magazine i'm gonna pick up this this powder or this cookie that's supposed to make me feel great it's like i sat back after a couple of years i was like maybe i'm just chasing these ideas or this i'm just chasing what looks sexy in a magazine it looks glossy no, really right you're constantly, you're absolutely right. And it's like, how do you, how do you go through that? Like, when you walk through a wall and see that stuff or like, are you always just shaking your head kind of like, 
there's better ways to do this than this type of stuff. I, well, I don't, I don't want to say better ways. It's I, I shake my head and go, oh my God, that's the same thing they were advertising five years ago. They just put a new package on. You know what I mean? They just, they just changed what it looked like. Um, they may change the wording a little bit. It's just like, this is not the, the new, you know, oh my God, this is it kind of thing. Right. Um, they're, John, they're constantly searching for things and, you know, trying to keep that, that money train rolling when it comes into the fitness and diet um, industry. Again, it's the basics. You know, try not to eat anything out of a can. Try to eat fresh foods. Try to not eat frozen foods. Um, look at the labels, how much cholesterol, how much fat, how much sodium, just go back to the basics and try to eat clean. And you know what, your body's going to respond to that because that's what we're all about. That's what we're made of. Yes. You can add different things in as supplements because in our food system nowadays, we don't get all the nutrients that we need. So yes, there are things on the market that you should be taking to supplement, you know, what you need at your age to what you want your fitness levels to be or your athletic competition to be, whatever it is that you're into, you can take those supplements, but it's not um, an end-all kind of like, okay, this is what's going to do it for me. There is no magic pill. I've always said that from day one. There is no magic pill. You've got to put in the work. Yeah, it's only, it is funny too when you see that stuff where they're kind of like, oh, I'll take this animal pack or I'll do the, I'll just drink this shake every day or twice a day and I'm going to be big and strong. It's like, I guess... I've had John Anderson on the show and the, the, when he talks about the psyche of John, he goes, well, you can do all this stuff, but you still have to get down on the bench. You still have to do the pushups. You still have to go train. It's, it's, it, it really puts it in perspective that you do have to do the hard work. And I think a lot of times people don't even want to step up to the plate to even begin it. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of people don't want to put them. They don't want to put the hard work in, you know, um, there's always a, um, I want to say there's a, there's a pain, uh, there's a pain area to where, what I mean by that is, so it's like, are you overweight? Is your heart, do you have high cholesterol? Um, is it something that you have to start training and you have to change your diet? Otherwise something, you know, not so happy is going to happen. Something bad's going to happen to you. So to me, that's a little pain area right there. Or maybe people got divorced or separated and it's like, they look in the mirror and they're like, oh my God, I let myself go. You know, it's a pain area. Now I got to change it. Now I got to go to the gym. Now I got to start doing something with myself. So I've always said that it's really interesting. Human nature isn't, isn't the, oh my God, I can't wait to go to the gym and eat super clean and get rid of all the fast food. That's not human nature. (laughs) You know, unfortunately. Um, it's just the way that we are, you know, our psyche. And it's just, I would, I would love, I would love it if it were different, but it's, it's just not like that. So yeah, you do have to put in the work, whether it be training or actually changing your eating habits in some sort of way. Right. When I, uh, I went through a divorce, well, back when I was in the government doing the federal stuff, I went through divorce and I was kind of, I went through this whole woe is me. I stopped really focusing on myself mentally and physically. I was drinking too much when I could. And it, it finally took my younger sister to make a comment like, oh, man, would you you look in a Christmas show, a Christmas card picture thing. And she was just like, man, she made some comment where our humor's always been that way. Yeah. But I knew there's so much truth in that. And I, when I looked at the mirror that night, I'm like, man, I need to make a change. And so it was I love thing, right? Oh, right. It, it's like it, if it comes from someone that, that loves you, 
or respects you. That I think that's so effective. It's like so many times I see my friends or family now that go through something I went through. And part of me is like, man, do I not like I don't have the courage to say it, but it's going to hurt me to say this, but is the hurt actually me re- helping that person? It's, it's such a weird thing. Where I don't know if yeah. I saw someone struggling. Hey man, you look like crap or you look like, and it's like, can you say that? Like, how do you, how do you approach how someone? Do you say it nicely? Yeah. yeah. How do you say it nicely? Right. Let me change something real quick, John. I'm looking at uh, the light right here on you. No, it's all good. Let me see if I can get a little better. I notice I'm sitting kind of in the shadows a little bit. Oh, a little bit better. Okay, cool. Um, but no, you're absolutely right. 100%. I mean, I have a family member that I would, I would, I, I wish I could speak candidly to kind of like, Hey, this, there's no way, unfortunately. I mean, there's certain situations that you just can't. Right. <laughs> you know? Unless you want to start world, world war, you know, two in your family. Right. Right. So to kind of go back to the beginning, obviously you're an athlete growing up and you played all the sports, but the transition from sport, like team sports to bodybuilding, like what was the, the click there that made you kind of be like, maybe I, I want to do this. Um, well, getting, uh, getting out of high school, getting out of college, you know, not being able to play those team sports any longer. There wasn't anything else around. Started working nine to five, started going, uh Oh, what's going to happen to my body? You know, to be honest with you, started going to the gym and kind of met a couple bodybuilders at that time. And then it was the whole kind of, um, coaching thing back and forth. I, I loved having a coach. You know, and so when it came to bodybuilding, I realized I could have a coach and they could help me along the way and get me to a certain level. I also love a goal, um, you know, to where it's like, whether it be, you know, in athletics or whatever it may be, but especially sports, give me a goal and let me hit that, but I need a coach to get there. So the transition from team sports to bodybuilding was just finding myself a coach and really enjoying that process. Now, obviously the process was a lot longer than being on a team sport kind of situation, but um, I love being on team sports. You know, I do miss that. And so when it came to gladiators, to me, that was another team sport, you know? It's uh, when it comes to, when you were actively coaching and doing your stuff with the personal training, was it difficult for you to, if you had a client that's paid you whatever one dollars to do their job, but they weren't motivated themselves, how difficult of if it was for you to be a coach to motivate these people that, hey, yeah, you could get, just take the money, but you seem like someone that actually cares about making a difference. Hence why I'm not a personal training any longer. No. <laughs> um, I actually got tired. I, I did get tired of babysitting. And if anybody's out there listening, if you actually do have a personal trainer, the personal trainer doesn't want to hear you complain constantly and not into it because that takes away our motivation to actually train you. You know, we want to help you get to the goals to where you want to be. But if you're constantly like um, self-defeating yourself, you know, I had a client one time coming in and she would constantly complain that she wasn't losing weight and kind of almost blaming the personal training sessions. Now, finally, finally, one day I just went, look, I can't hold your hand 24 seven as you're driving through McDonald's by ordering a Big Mac. Right. You know, I'm not that I'm, I can't be there all the time, you know? So it got very, very frustrating to where if they weren't motivated that they were just paying me to show up after a while, you just don't take the money any longer. 
It's not worth right. it. So as you, the bodybuilding ends, or not really ends, but the 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 idea of chasing becoming a pro and all this stuff. How's that that weird moment where you're kind of like you're in a stalemate here, but the American Gladiators kept coming. You talked about the team aspect, which obviously you missed. But what was it like for like the recruiting process for you? Were they actively going out looking for strong bodybuilder type female people? Like, or is this something you kind of fell upon where it's like, oh, I could do this? Um, it was kind of what you just said, the latter part of it. And that was, you know, coming, coming out of, I don't want to say coming out of bodybuilding because I was actually bodybuilding and pursuing that pro career in bodybuilding. Right. And at the time I, I turned the television on, I saw American Gladiators It's the very first season. I saw Ray Hollett, which is Zap on the show. Yep. Well, Zap was competing in bodybuilding as well. And that's the only, that's where I knew her from was just bodybuilding. And so I met her in Gold's Gem in Venice Beach. And she said that she was pregnant and she couldn't continue the show. And all of a sudden, kind of like a light switch went on in my head. And I was like, oh my God, I could totally do this. So, you know, I asked her, and this is no secret. We laugh about this. And it's like, she gave me no help. I was like, so where, where do I go? What do I do? Oh, just watch the show. They'll have things on the, at the end of the show where you can go. And I was like, I watched it religiously. And I was like, there's nothing at the end of the show. <laughs> you know, the production company was the only name at the end of the show. Um, God, I don't want to date myself, but I will. There, there, were, there was no computer. There was no social media. There was no anything like that. I had to literally open up the phone book and started making phone calls, you know, and driving to the production company, which was, thank God, here in Los Angeles, Hollywood, to where I handed them my headshot and my resume. Um, so that was, you know, going into that process. That's basically how, so they weren't necessarily actively looking for someone at the time. I found out that she wasn't going to be there that year. So I jumped on the opportunity. And how much control did you have? Like, were there other names they had for you? Other like personas? They were like, how much? Nah. Like the catchphrases and stuff. Like, how much control did you have over that? I didn't have really any control. The only control I had was at the very beginning when they said, "Okay, after the three month process of you know auditioning." Because once I found out that she was going to be gone, it wasn't like I just got the job. It was like, right. okay, they kind of put an open call out for all female bodybuilders in LA. So there was like 50 to 75 women that showed up and I had to go through the process of, you know, the, the whole interview process and everything. Once I got the job though, they said, okay, so now we got to think of a name. And I thought to myself, uh Oh, I better come up with a really cool name because I see what kind of names are out there right now. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so we were sitting in the bleachers and we were just, you know, calling off random names. And that's when Top Gun came out that year. And somebody said, Oh my God, you look like Val Kimmore's sister you know, Iceman. And somebody just kind of said Iceman. We all kind of looked at each other and I went, and we all went ice, you know, how yep. does that work? And I was like, oh my God, that's awesome. So all the little catchphrases, everything after that, that just kind of came along naturally. So that was kind of cool. When, when you were competing as ice, was there any, what part of Lori carried onto that character? Or was this something once you got ready to film and actually portray ice that you became somewhat different than who you actually are? I don't want to say I became different. That was what you saw was what you got. I'm very competitive, you know. Um, if anything, I just had to learn to how to be on camera, not be shy, you know, and that I had to, I had to learn that kind of stuff. Um, other than that, when it came to the competition, it was 100% all out, and that's me. So when I got on camera and they stuck the mic in my, you know, my face, they're like, how'd you feel? I was like, oh my God, it was so cool, <laughs> you know. <laughs> 
um, what do you want to do? I really, you know, certain things I wanted to say in my head. I really wanted to kick her ass, you know, but I had to like, you know, watch the words and everything. But so what you saw, that was me. I was competitive. I was like, let's go. You know, I was all 100% all balls out. Let's go. How do you kind of fulfill that same competition, that competitive spirit, that same type of drive now as you get older? Like, obviously, I mean, I'm sure you look like you could still go up there and kick all their asses. But for you right now, like, what do you do to kind of? Yeah, what do I do? Um, Believe it or not, it's really funny that you say that because I have been playing golf off and on since, I don't know, the last 10 or so years. And no, it's not the same when it comes to golf. However, (laughs) I will kind of compare it just a little bit because. I started with this women's league recently, probably about two months ago. And they're like, oh, join this. You know, it's over at this place called Industry Hills. And it's going to make you a better golfer. And the course is really hard. And so it's really challenged me. And so it's golf to me is like, no, it's not the get out there and tackle and that kind of shit that I absolutely love. Obviously, I don't know if you play golf, but golfers, it's you compete within yourself. However, what I'm getting at is, the women are out there and I'm getting frustrated because, you know, I'm not hitting the scores that I want to hit. And I have one woman go, oh, just come out and enjoy it. Just, you know, just, I just love coming out here and hitting and playing golf with the, with the, all the females and having lunch. And I'm like, oh, screw that shit. I want to win. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. So that's, I mean, it's like, I try to, it's like that competition comes into play with me when it comes to that. And so it's like, yeah, I hired a golf coach. Yeah. I'm out there practicing, you know, five days a week. I'm trying to play two, three days a week. I'm finally now starting to enter, you know, tournaments and stuff like that. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to rechannel it, you know, to where I can compete on a certain level when it comes to that. And golf, unfortunately is years, you know, I have, I'm playing with some women that have played for five months. I have women that I've played for 30 years and it's like, obviously that takes time, but it is hard. You know, I, I want to compete and I want to compete in something. And so I'm always trying to find different things, but so far it's like in the last two to three years, I've put that competition mentality into playing golf and no, it's not like tackling someone. Right. Well, you probably could on the back nine to pay with the courses. Right. Right. (laughs) What you mentioned before, obviously we talked about before the the idea of you realize the, the global brands and the power of American Gladiators, but as you became ICE and you started appearing in other known te- late night television shows or sitcoms as yourself, it's like when you start seeing that stuff, you're kind of like, man, like this is super rad. Like I remember the first time I saw a professional wrestler on Jay Leno. I was like, dude, this is crossing over into a whole other world. Like this is real life now. And it's just like, Again, it's just so rad. It's like, what was it like portraying yourself on a, another established show? Was it something surreal to you? Like, this is this is insane. It was. It was. It was very cool and very surreal because of the fact that I I like people to get to know who I am because right. on the Gladiator show, if you think about it, they don't get to know who you are. All they, right. they're watching the competition, you hitting the floor, you hitting other people, and you getting in front of the camera going, "Yeah, <laughs> you know, like you know, wrestling." Um. So when we got to go on talk shows and stuff, and even like, you know, this, like podcasts, I love to let people get to know who I am. Um, it's the fun side of it. It really is because either, either you really like that person or you really turn, you, you realize they turned out to be just a douchebag, right. <laughs> you know, and I don't think I'm that. So it's a lot of fun to let people get to know who I am personally. 
as a kid, and I'm going to date myself here. I, I, I love B movies. I love action movies. I love everything about cinema. Uh, but there are two people, two females, yourself, uh, CIA two, target Alexa and Corey Everson in uh, double team against Van Damme. And those are the first times I saw two, not only two strong women with bodybuilding backgrounds, but they could hold their own with the heroes or the villains. And it was, it's when it, the transition into acting, is that something that kind of came along naturally to you? Um, and if so, is there still a drive to do more of that? Cause there's not many people that could do what you do and pull it off where it actually looks real. I love acting. Um, as a matter of fact, before the pandemic hit, um, I was going out for auditions. You know, I had my agent, I was doing all that. And um, what was it? The, um, I can't even believe I just forgot what it was. Uh, Women of Wrestling. Um, Glow. Glow. Yep. I auditioned for Glow. Awesome show. Yeah. And I was super psyched. And like a month went by and I called my agent and I said, what's going on? He goes, you know, obviously if I haven't heard from them by now, they passed. You know, he called me two weeks later and he goes, hey, by the way, are you ready to be famous again? I started laughing. I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, they didn't want you for that role, but they have another reoccurring role for you that you're perfect for. And they're putting you on hold right now. And I was just like, yes, you know, I was super stoked. And all of a sudden, boom, yep. pandemic hit, that went away. And then obviously Netflix canceled them because of the whole testing and everything, the crew was too big, whatever. I was so bummed because those are opportunities that come along that are very rare for myself because I can't necessarily go and play, you know, the girl next door or the soccer mom. I just don't have it in me. I don't look like that. You know, I've got a sleeve tattoo, you <laughs> right. know, that kind of stuff. So there are only certain parts that I can play. Um, so it's been a challenge, but um, Going into the acting industry, I don't want to say it became natural for me because I love being on camera, but once I got into the acting industry and I got, you know, some of the parts, I realized I had to go to acting classes. And so when you start going to acting classes, you're like, whoa, this is harder than I thought, you know, um, give me a microphone and let me talk and interview people or people interview me all day long. That's one thing. But to actually go into, you know, an actual movie and act. And I look back on some of these movies and I'm like, oh my God, I sucked. That was terrible, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but it, it's, I don't want to say it became natural. It was, it's, you know, it definitely takes work. Man, when, you, when I watch some of these actors, you know, um, on television, I'm just like, wow, they're, they're damn good. And that's, that's really a craft that it, you do. You have to constantly work on. And it's not as easy as everybody thinks it is. And you bring up a good point because sometimes when you see like someone like Tom Hardy will gain 100 pounds of muscle or uh, Christian Bale or uh, Kristen Stewart, whoever these actresses are, they're good at what they do acting, but they have to take six months, like 18 months to get ready physically, whether it's eating and physically. It's just crazy, like the, the, the dichotomy of what you're talking about, where it's like if they want to portray a real life wrestler or someone they have to live your life that you're really great at and if yeah. you want to jump into that world you got to take the acting it's just it's so fascinating it, it really is it, and that's what i mean obviously if it were easy everybody would be doing it right you know but now it's it's interesting because now it's kind of like you know I'm, I'm coming at a certain point to where it's like okay so there's only a certain amount of roles i can play now 
So yeah, I continue in acting classes. Unfortunately, kind of really sucks even worse because now that the pandemic happened, all the acting classes are on Zoom. Nobody wants, they're like, whoa, we can do this on Zoom. We don't have to rent a place and have it in person. Um, even auditions now, they're not even in person. They're all on Zoom. Crazy. You know, so to me, it's, it's, it's because I know there's a ton of actors that really believe the same thing, that it's become more of a detriment to where it, it doesn't allow you to see face-to-face and, and have the casting director get to know you personally and have that little smile or something like, oh, they really liked you when you walked out or got to know your personality. It's just so different. Now, now everything has changed. So we'll see what happens. I'm hoping that more opportunities will come once the Netflix comes out, you know, a little bit. Right. So we'll see. But yeah, I'm still pursuing it. When it comes to like your agent, you mentioned, how, how active are they? It's, it's kind of talking through the process where it's like, okay, we need a woman that looks amazing. Uh, she has to be between these ages, physically fit, can pull off this part. Like how... I see movies and shows all the time that those parts of those, those people are always there. I mean, you look at the, the John Wick franchise, these new action franchises. I know damn well the actresses and people playing these roles don't have the background you do. So they have stunt doubles and stuff. But why not bring in someone like you? They can do all of it. Politics. It really does come down to that, unfortunately. Um, there are certain, if you notice, there's a certain handful of actors and actresses that it's, you see them constantly. Yes. You know, there's, there's, it's really hard for anything new to break into that. And, and because of gladiators, I was in that for, you know, that industry for a long time, but then what, if there's a break, you know, it's like starting all over again, if there's a break, right. um, which there, for me, there was like a five to six year break because we were doing the live show down in Orlando and I wasn't doing any acting or anything like that. And that's when the reality shows came out. They didn't want anybody that was ever on TV. They just wanted everyday real people. Um, so it was just a, an interesting challenge at that time. So it's, it's, it's just, um, it's a weird time right now. Right. <laughs> put it that way. And you're right. I see some of these rants and I'm like, Oh my God, even, you know, my best friend's like, dude, you could totally do that. And I'm like, yeah, I know, <laughs> you know, can you get me to meet the casting director somehow? Um, but you would, I don't know, sometimes it's weird. It's like, you would think that it's like, I've been in the industry for so long, but yet it's changed so much that they're like, ice who American gladiators, what, you know, if you're not in the public eye and you're not relevant, you're, you're gone. You're it's, you just disappear. It's so fascinating too, because the day of social media, like I, I was my age, college, the cusp of Facebook, what was called the Facebook, and some, someone for your generation, not to date you, but like okay. my, well, even like my parents or some of my aunts and uncles, they're like, what's this social media stuff? Like, what? I don't get how this works, but it's like if you want to be a put yourself out there, you have to play catch up now, in when? terms of your brand and stuff. And if it's not true to that person, you're not supposed to be out there posting duck face pictures or stupid yeah. tiktok videos it's like those people that do that though it's unfortunate that the people see them like oh they're they're engaging they're awesome it's like well someone like you has a story to tell um it's still telling your story and you're kind of like man i could still do this and i could still kick their ass yeah it's it's um it's a difficult transition and it's so funny you know how <laughs> it social media is interesting um, I think we all play a part in it somewhat a little bit. Um, no, I can't post every day. 
I don't have anything to post every day. I'm sure I could, but I really don't. I'm in my head. I'm like, what's, what's relevant about what I'm doing today? Right. You know? But then there are other people out there that make their lives look like, oh my God, they're doing so much when in fact, it's just a post, right. you know? So to me, social media, a lot of social media is so damn fake that it's like, I don't even know what to believe anymore. It's like, are you really on that yacht in the middle of wherever or right. is this just something you made right. up i don't know you're in your pool in new jersey you're not in morocco on a yacht yeah yeah so <laughs> yeah, right. Right. <laughs> um but yeah i've really tried to i mean i've tried to transition into it and tiktok is is an interesting platform and i know you said you know stupid tiktok videos because i still do the same thing in my head even though i did jump on the platform and it's like okay so i'm gonna do this because instagram Instagram, I noticed it's, it's interesting how all the social media platforms are so different, Yes, you know, if you really think about it and it's like, okay, so what can I do to get me out there a little bit more in order for when Netflix hits, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I want to be relevant. So I want to have a, a platform that, you know, people can, oh yeah, she's been out here before. So I did, I started my TikTok platform. Um, I've got 158,000 followers. I started doing the t stupid TikTok videos, you know, and some of them were super entertaining and, it, and it's just, it's funny. It's funny to sit and like, you know, watch what people are actually watching and what they actually want to see, you know, me doing. Now here's an interesting thing. Yeah, I'm into fitness, I'm into golf, I'm into different things, but you would think that my audience would want to see that, but not really, they don't give a shit. That's what's so weird about it too, because when I thought you do stupid ass TikTok dance, yeah. you know, I'll get a hundred. I'll get like <laughs> I, there was one video I got like three point seven million views on, okay, and it was like super lame. Then I had another video like if I do any kind of TikTok stupid dance, I'll get over a hundred thousand views, you know, and likes and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, it's like um, my followers were so jumping. If I post anything about golf. I'll get maybe a thousand to 2000 views, which still sounds like a lot, but not when you have 158,000 followers. Um, if I post anything about fitness, they don't really give a shit. Right. It's just like it, it, I think what it happens is there's, it gets so saturated, you know, with different fitness videos and fitness influencers. And I'm sorry, but I see a 20 year old out there and they're showing somebody how to do fitness. And I'm looking at her going, no, you're just blowing my mind. I just want to slap you around. Yeah. Why would anybody follow what you have to say when you look like you weigh a hundred pounds? You know, you don't have an ounce of muscle on you and you're going to teach me how to look like a certain way. Right. So it, it gets a little frustrating, but um, yeah, it, the platforms are ridiculous. You know, it really is. You, uh, you mentioned subtly kind of like obviously with the glow the show Netflix the show being canceled and stuff but when the pandemic hit I don't like getting political on here but obviously in your world with the gyms being shut down in the physical aspect but in terms of your mental health like what was your thoughts is this this kind of unfolding like that the Netflix thing happens and then gyms are shut down like it, where are you kind of at during this whole process and do you feel better now than you were pre-pandemic no do I feel better now than pre-pandemic? Um, no. I mean, to me right now, like you said, not to get political, everything has changed. 
Yeah. Everything has changed. The world's changed. I don't care if your head's under a rock. Right. But no, shit's changed. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The entertainment industry has changed. Yes. Um, fitness industries have changed. Um, I mean, now you, everything, John, as you know, has changed. And if people are like, oh no, it's fine. It's all back to normal. What normal are you right. talking about? Right. Because beforehand that to me, to me, that was normal beforehand. You right. Know? Um, the acting industry, as we went out on auditions, we drove to the place. We, you know, waited and talked to the casting director. We did, you know, things like that. Um, that to me was normal acting. No, that's changed the fitness industries. Um, I mean, when they all shut down, I found a gym that actually was like that's the awesome. underground gym, <laughs> you know, um, I had to, you know, and then they started like, oh, well, it's $90 a month. And it's like, why? Well, you know, we're open and nobody else is, you know, stupid shit like that. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's changed. So no, I can't really say that things are better than pre-pandemic. It's like my pocketbook doesn't think so right now. Right. <laughs> I'm sure everybody else's pocketbook doesn't think so. So um, will it go back? I doubt it you know, which is kind of sad. So it's a matter of, okay, so things have changed. So now we got to learn to kind of adapt. It's uh, it's unfortunate too, because I, I like you, I, the reason I started this podcast is because I, I, I was going to miss the human interaction with people, friends, uh, new people meet along the road as I tour everywhere. And for me, the idea of losing sight of hugging someone or actually, yeah. actually being in a casting studio with other actors and people that, really feeling the scene out or being yeah. at a concert or a gym. It's like people got too comfortable or they are too comfortable now with the idea of let's hide behind zoom or these other right. bullshit Stop. apps that make you safe to be hide. And it's like, this isn't a knock on people that care about their own personal health. I'm not going to judge you for that, but don't tell me I can't go into a group of like-minded a room with like-minded people and watch a sporting event or go to an acting class. It's just, it is super frustrating. It's very frustrating, as you know, you know, um, we are, we're meant to be around each other, right? You know, we're meant to have human interaction. That's, that's what we're, that's, that's human nature. Um, when they brought back like some of the sporting events with no fans in the crowd, could you imagine what American gladiators would be with no fans in the crowd? (laughs) It would have been the most, I couldn't even watch it as a fan at home. I'd be like, part of the interaction. You know, know, John, what's funny, what's funny about that is when they first started the American gladiator show, it was on the, um, Universal Studios lot. Yep. And they used to take the tram that goes through, right? Yep. Well, a lot of people didn't know what it was, so nobody stopped and watched the show. They actually had cardboard cutout people in the audience. You know, I think their very first 13 episodes, which is absolutely hysterical. But yeah, the energy, there's no, there wasn't a lot of energy there whatsoever, obviously, you know. Right. So um, but yeah, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine if there was no audience and people were just, you know, and they put the background cheering in. You oh, know, God. Everybody knows that that's when that one's fake, you know? Right. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I want to say I'm hopeful, you know, that it'll start to kind of maybe transition that maybe yep. more and more people like you and myself, and trust me, you know, there's got to be hundreds out there. Oh, there's got to be casting directors out there that go, this really sucks for me to watch this on Zoom. And the reason I say that is 
because, okay, so you know this, and that is when you go into an acting audition, your heart's pounding, you're nervous, but yet you're going to put your best foot forward and try to be prepared for that role. Well, guess what? On Zoom, you can do it a hundred times until you nail it. Right. And then you send in that submission. Right. And then let's say they get the part and then they wind up on set and they're so freaking nervous that they can't even perform. Right. And then the casting director's like, oh shit. You know, they're not as good as what their audition was in the Zoom. Yeah, it's like you 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 lose sight of the actual feeling, the emotion. You can feel a room. Like this Zoom call, obviously we have to do it for this episode. Yeah. This is the only way to do this type of thing. But when it comes to like an actual thing, you to feel the room to feel like the the temperature like the people snickering or laughing or crying it's like there's something so powerful to that yeah i mean even this i mean i hate to say this but it's like i'm looking at myself in the corner it's like okay my lighting kind of sucks right now it's like you know i don't want to keep messing with it you know right. as we're on the zoom but it's like the lighting sucks you know um it, it's a certain time of day where's the sun at well when you go into an audition room the lights are all perfect they have you on camera you know, right. it's a whole different experience. Right. So before I uh, let you go here, Lori, kind of anything, the books you got coming up, I know you mentioned that one documentary on Netflix, but anything, maybe another book along the way, more like what, anything else, if people want to check you out on social media, where should they go? Okay. If uh, they want to check me out on social media, I do have my TikTok channel, which is Lori.ice.fetric. You can just probably punch in American Gladiators Ice and see me. Um, that's on TikTok and on Instagram, it's Lori Fetrick Fit, F-I-T. Um, and then let's see what else. Facebook, same thing, Lori Fetrick Fit. Um, I need to start posting more. I haven't recently. Um, I know I got to get better at that. And I think that's the other thing. It's kind of like, like I said before, it's like, no, I'm kind of boring. It's like, what do you want to see? <laughs> right. Um, I don't have anything. I'm not writing a book right now. I'm waiting, you know, the documentary, we've been really busy with that this year. That's awesome. Um, so that's been taking a lot of time and, um, playing it all out of golf is taking a lot of time. Um, I want to start playing more golf celebrity tournaments. So therefore, if anybody out there does golf celebrity tournaments, I'd love to play them. Um, and let's see, that's about it much it right now. Just, you know, hitting the acting industry and still doing all the zoom auditions, Yep. you know, which is a lot of fun. But, uh, this was great, Lori. Uh, thank you for jumping on here. I wish you all the success and, uh, I can't John? look, look forward yeah. to seeing you beat the shit out of someone on a golf course and the new, uh, Netflix <laughs> documentary. Sounds good. Have a great day. Thanks for having me on. Oh, hello. I'm just enjoying this nice fucking candle. Anyways, I'm John, the host of Spirit Talk, and I want to talk to you about nice fucking candles. We are lucky to have nice fucking candles as a sponsor of the podcast. And if you use code SPIRITALK15, you get 15% off your first order, or use the affiliate link below to always get your candle needs through nice fucking candles. Nice fucking candles are 100% soy wax. They have a 65-hour burn time, maybe more, if you... Uh, nurse the flame a little bit maybe i don't know about expert on flames uh, or candles but i will say these things burn a long fucking time you ask me about the wick it's a double wick for even burning which is amazing and uh they come in three incredible flavors uh i'm not sure if you're going to be eating these candles but if you do like them the scents are eucalyptus and ginseng tobacco and fireside and seaside and driftwood once again 
Uh, nice fucking candles. They are the candle company for Spirit Talk. And if you love candles and need a good scent to clear out your office, your room, your podcast room, your weight room, uh, your whatever you're doing in a room that smells like crap, use this candle. It's amazing. Thank you. Check them out. Love nice fucking candles. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.